Hello and welcome to the About to Interview podcast. I'm your host, that guy named John. This is a supplemental version of the About to Interview podcast, which drops every Wednesday and covers movies, TV shows, film festivals, and more. You can follow the podcast on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About to Review. And make sure to subscribe on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Blueberry, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. This show focuses solely on the conversations that I have with authors, directors, actors, and creators, and is available on YouTube as well as subscribing to the podcast. Make sure to click the subscribe button below, give a thumbs up, and check out the full show notes with links to the guests at abouttoreview.com. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the About to Interview podcast, which is a subsidiary of the About to Review podcast. I have the pleasure of sitting down with Ian McKenzie, one of the directors of a new documentary film that premiered here in Seattle. It had its U.S. premiere in Seattle recently. Welcome to the show, Ian McKenzie. Mm, Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So you are one of the directors, and the other director... Do you want to introduce her? Even though she, yeah. I say introduce, even though she is not here with us, she is inside. Yeah, um, this film was uh, co-directed by Nicole Sorkin, who's a yeah longtime friend, and yeah, we really collaborated in a deep way on this somewhat massive project that spans both documentary, mm-hmm. graphic novel, uh, and a motion comic as well. Yeah, this project is incredibly ambitious. I had been hearing about this for a while. And a mutual friend of ours, Arun, another filmmaker from the great land of Canada up north, yeah. uh, in- digitally introduced us and was like, hey, my friend Ian is going to be in Seattle. I should connect you. I am very glad that he did. So this very ambitious documentary that combines different media, both in documentary format, multimedia, motion comic, and a traditional graphic novel. Mm-hmm. When you started this project... Did you have that in mind, or was it just the documentary? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how it got so big, but um, it's <laughs> right. been you know following really the creative inspiration that certainly started with the film because that's my background in, in documentary mm-hmm. filmmaking, and it was actually pairing with Nicole and um, really her you know grand vision that brought this sense of um, telling the stories through or expanding the stories of the artists as superheroes. Okay. Because that's actually where we got the sense of it was, you know, all of them have unique names, all mm-hmm. of them have unique kind of, you know, dress, and they all have the superpower, you know, using uh, music in this different way. And so we thought, well, what if we actually really made them actually like superheroes, except in the comics, they don't really fight evil per se. Like, it's not sort of supervillains mm-hmm. necessarily. A lot of the stories are actually them um, reconnecting with their own past or battling, you know, wounds that they faced and then, um, you know, bringing the gifts from those wounds. So there are stories that are actually told very differently. They're not really the traditional hero's journey right. as well, which to me is also representative of why this project is so important. As I was watching the film and seeing those different stories play out, you have somebody who might be battling some emotional issues. You have somebody who is battling a physical issue. You have all of these exterior components happening, and it is how they react to them and influences their music that they put out 
to heal themselves and also also heal the people listening. Mm -hmm. So a lot of this takes place at various festivals around the country. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so with Burning Man, that was one of the big highlights. Had you been to Burning Man before? Yeah, yeah okay, this is interesting. <laughs> I'm actually a, a six-time burner. Wow. Yeah, okay. and I first went in 2009. Now, for those who are, yeah. who are listening who might not know what that is, explain what a burner is. Yeah, burner is, uh, I guess, the kind of nickname for people that identify as burners, like people that go to Burning Man. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have actually been six times now, and it was the, I think, fourth time that actually was the seed of this project. Okay, uh, wow. You know, like I had seen or I'd listened to the music of one artist uh, named Apple Cat prior, mm -hmm. and, uh, but I never actually saw her perform live until Burning Man. And it was one night, you know, coming back on the playa, 3 a.m. or something, mm -hmm. when I was walking past a camp where she was supposed to have played earlier that day, but the generator broke, so I wasn't able to see her. So I was coming back, um, just, you know, thinking to myself, you know, it'd be so great if she was playing. At, but, you know, that's so crazy. That would never happen. And mm -hmm. I turned the corner, and suddenly there she was, and she was playing. And so it was sort of this, you know, divine moment of being in the presence of her doing whatever it is that I didn't quite know what it was yet, but, right. but you know, it was <laughs> mysterious. Uh, that really planted the thing of like, maybe this could really be something. Maybe this could be a, a film asking this question. What is this unique expression that, you know, female artists are bringing? Mm -hmm. And from there, actually, um, from the Burning Man, really, it, it planted that seed that sprouted. And then we actually followed a lot of the artists at different festivals like uh, Sonic Bloom mm -hmm. in uh, Colorado, uh, Base Coast Festival in Canada. Um, all, all in all, I think it was um, maybe 13 or 14 festivals. Sheesh. Yeah, tiring. <laughs> uh, with that, and also with the editing process of any sort of documentary, and you joked about it in the Q&A mm -hmm. that we had after our screening, a lot of documentary filmmakers are part of the OWG, yeah. which is the Old White Guys Club. So uh, being a younger director, what were those documentaries that first kind of opened your eyes into that world of filmmaking? Yeah, yeah and I guess I, I should clarify slightly. Um, usually what happens is uh, OWGs, Old White Guys, uh, are the subjects of the film. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Because often I think as men, uh, we're conditioned to, you know, sort of be more willing to say, be like, yeah, I'll talk about stuff or, you know, like, and, and in a way, audiences are trained to feel a sense of authority, mm -hmm. usually from maybe an academic looking somewhat, you know, scientific or um, uh, usually a white man that has some kind of credentials, right? Gotcha. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's and just, usually a sweater vest. Well, exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then again, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just it, it, it's better to have a diversity of voices, of course, on most subject mm -hmm. matter. And so in this project, um, the question was really, what if I just made a film about women or, and, and shared women's voices primarily? Mm -hmm. And so from there, um, that was really actually helped by my work with another filmmaker named Velcro Ripper. Okay. He's a, a longtime Canadian filmmaker. He's made many films. And he has a very um, like social justice heart you know, for a lot of work he does. Mm -hmm. And so he uh, really, I guess, imparted to me the importance of diversity. Um, in Occupy Love, the previous film we worked on, right. there was um, like many voices from you know, indigenous activists to you know, grandmothers to children to, you know, again, it was really important to have that. And that really stayed with me. And mm -hmm. I think I took that even further with, uh, or at least more specific to having basically just women uh, from that experience working with him. Okay. With the editing process, yeah, you went to you said twelve different festivals, twelve or thirteen, twelve or thirteen different yeah. festivals. Cutting that footage together would be difficult as it is. Yeah, and you also talked about the motion comic aspects of the film were a late addition. Yeah, so you had already you had a cut of the film ready. Yeah, tell me about that transition to realize. Yeah, okay, so what do we do now? What was that awakening yeah. like? 
I think, yeah, what happened was we, we got to a point where the film was yeah, basically done. We'd mm-hmm. sound mixed, we'd color correct it and everything. And yet it hadn't, you know, we were, we were, it was okay. Like you had that, you know, as an artist, I had the feeling of like, well, it's not it's there, but not quite there. I did a thing. Yeah. You know, and it didn't feel like it was really landing. The, okay. thing, the thing that it wanted to be hadn't quite mm. arrived. And then we realized after, um, you know, a broadcaster issue came up, they went bankrupt. Not right. No fault of our own. It's just that we cut a huge chunk out of the budget and we had to scramble. So we had time really to actually reflect and say, is this really the film we want to bring to the world? Mm-hmm. And so we realized by making the film um, the way we had that it was missing, really. Like we had our voice or our perspective as directors, mm-hmm. you know, on the film. But it was missing the, the kind of the way the women saw themselves actually, which is, you know, that's the part that they crafted through the graphic novels. Absolutely. And so we realized by actually merging them together, like how we as the directors saw them and then how they saw themselves, we wove them into a real sense of wholeness, which is actually where the film finally, you know, as soon as we started doing it, it was like, oh, obvious, this is it. Like, this is the film it's meant to be. And I think, you know, people see it now clearly woven with the comics and they say they can't imagine it being any different. And, you know, for us too, I mean, it's, it's so clear that was the that was the spark, you know, to really bring it home. Excellent. And you talked briefly about the uh, budget issues that you guys came across yeah. due to some uh, exterior forces, mm-hmm. a company going bankrupt, and not just your film, but it affected something like a hundred different Canadian yeah. productions. Yeah. So, and then you guys switched to Indiegogo. Mm-hmm. How important do you think crowdfunding is to independent filmmakers like yourself? Yeah. Yeah, I've used Indiegogo a number of times. Like for Occupy Love, we actually raised something like 75000 uh, wow. during the production. And then okay. we, we ended up um, using other Canadian financing after the fact. Mm-hmm. Like, so we were able to bridge until we got financing from Canon Media Fund and elsewhere. And for large projects like that, it's really important, I think, still to have like larger funding. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas uh, if you're making shorts and things, like I, I, another film I did was about um, post-Fukushima Japan. Uh, oh, wow. I went there with a Zen teacher and we really looked at how the Buddhists were responding to, you know, the Fukushima partial meltdown, mm-hmm. tsunami. Uh, and that was really like, I mean, micro budget of, you know, 8,500, 8, oh, wow. which we made. It was like a half hour film on. Yeah. And that is impressive. You know, again, uh, nobody, you know, sort of made much afterwards in this, in a sense, but we wanted, this is what our goal was to make this film. Mm-hmm. And, and it was made through Indiegogo. And so um, this this Amplify Her, we actually started with traditional funding, and then it was needing to bridge it later, certainly for the tour, that you know we, we looked to crowdfunding, and mm-hmm. you know we raised um, twenty two thousand or something through you know our fans. Mm-hmm. We're super grateful, and yeah, it's really helped us get now to bring this film to the world. Excellent. So this documentary focuses on several different female DJs at all these different festivals, and we found out that a lot of them have actually never met in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How is that like to then weave these tones together when you would go to a different festival with a different group of people yeah. each time? Yeah, in the process of interviewing all these women, what we found was um, a lot of them reported different experiences they had of whether it was like, you know, sexual harassment mm-hmm. or like discrimination and they all actually personalized it to themselves. Hmm. Which was kind of interesting that, you know, they were like, oh, well, you know, this just happens to me, I guess, and anyway, not a big deal. Right. And it was actually, you know, for someone else interviewing them that was able to start connecting the dots for, and say, actually, you know what? The, the woman I just interviewed before you, she had a very similar experience. And then I would interview somebody after, and again, a very similar experience. Wow. And so it was almost like by telling the story and threading between these women, their, their experiences started to be recognized as shared. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's also what's going on with this Me Too, you know, wave that's sweeping Absolutely. the Internet. Like that there is a, a sense of like, hey, Me Too, like me, these women are finding their stories are actually very similar and sort of deprivatizing them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, in the making of this film, that was also part of our threading. You know, that, that these women also at a very particular time in their lives, most of them are sort of mid-20s to late-20s when mm-hmm. we started, into the early 30s. So it's a particular, you know, in ast- astrology, they call that Saturn return. Right? Okay. It's, it's a time where really um, many, you know, in, in the sort of growth of, of a person, that they're shedding a lot of the kind of ways that they've been, you know, brought up and also maybe the ways that they've responded to or reacted to society. Uh, Interesting. And they've started to basically come into the person that they're, you know, more, most likely to be in a way for the rest of their life. Like that's a rough, you know, my understanding of what Saturn Return is. Okay. And so these women, it's really capturing that moment in time as they really find their voice mm-hmm. uh, and bring it to the world. So one of the other things that you brought to the screening that, as far as I know, you plan on doing at a few of them. Mm-hmm. There's a live DJ yeah. before the show. Yeah. I go to movies three, sometimes four times a week. I have never been to a screening <laughs> where there was a live DJ. Yeah. How soon in the process did you guys realize, okay, we did the documentary, we thought it was all right. We put the motion comic in it. Now it feels right. How about we put a DJ before the yeah. screening? Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. I mean, here in Seattle, it was actually a local DJ care who mm-hmm. was um, uh, we connected with and who, you know, we realized um, it's sort of a why not moment, you know, of like, well, yeah. wait, it's a film about female DJs and producers. And like, here's one that's super excited. Like, let's get her to play, you know, at the actual screening. And it does reflect, I think, what the film is really trying to talk about, which you know, there's one thing to sort of rationally, intellectually understand something, mm-hmm. but it's another entirely to embody it or to experience it. And so much of music culture, based music culture, is about embodiment, is mm-hmm. about incarnation. And so, you know, the fusion of both is really where a holistic, you know, understanding comes from. And so, um, you know, here we had the live uh, DJ mm-hmm. in Vancouver. There's actually Kaitami, one of the artists, is going to be performing right. for an hour, like right after. Oh, wow. In, in the theater. Yeah. So people can just hang out after the screening. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. exactly. And she'll be part. And so, yeah, each place, you know, again, we're just listening of like what wants to happen here. And we're not really, mm-hmm. you know, set in terms of how it'll happen, but um, really open to seeing, you know, who wants to bring their gifts and how and like how do we make it a full body experience. So with the live DJ performing either before or after, sounds like at one of your next screenings, yeah. this is also a very unique screening in that you, on, you encouraged people mm-hmm. while watching the film. If you want to get up, if you want to move, if you want that music, if the music moves you to do something, express yourself. Mm-hmm. As opposed to so many other screenings where it is like you are watching my film. Watch it, study it, yeah. live in it. As opposed to you where you really want people, like you said, to embody the spirit of what is going on in the film. Yeah. So there were people clapping, cheering. There were people behind me who were dancing. That was yeah. just an incredible experience. Mm. Oh, thank you. I feel like... Um, I think a lot of that comes through, I mean, different sources of, of my, you know, inspiration, such as uh, Burning Man. You know, they mm-hmm. have a, an ethos of radical participation and radical inclusion and mm-hmm. how immediacy as well, right, is a big deal for them. Because, again, sometimes we get lost in the kind of, like, you know, you talk about dancing as opposed to dancing. And they're such different things. Interesting, yeah. Right. And so also, you know, I have um, uh, a deep interest in circle practice, like um, things like council and mm-hmm. Um, other ways um, I've come to understand is like social technology as a village 
And that's a, uh, my next project is actually looking at a lot of this. And so I'm, I'm consciously bringing in ways that um, people can start to connect with each other, you know, like while they're experiencing something that in a way is like done, like it's a mm -hmm. film that's, you know, playing, but not to feel like somehow, you know, that it's disconnected, that, that yeah. they play a role actually in how they experience it together. And that is really about, you know, on a dance floor, it's the exact same thing, mm -hmm. you know, and, and part of, I think, the role or the gift of the feminine on the dance floor is actually create a container where people can, you know, if they want to be in their own experience, but also be connected to other people and realize, like, hey, we're, we're dropping into this unified field, right? And in that field is where, you know, divisions start to break down and disappear. And you really start to see, like, oh, wow, you're a human, you know, just like me. Fantastic. The messages that you just talked about definitely came through in the movie itself. You have these incredibly strong, powerful women telling their stories mm -hmm. through the music. Again, I was incredibly impressed with just the technological aspects of it, as well as the storytelling. Mm. Uh, you made mention of it, again, at the screening. Yeah. Both the intro and the outro and the credit scenes and how you're able to weave those together was incredibly impressive. And again, I, I see a lot of documentaries. Yeah. I see a lot of things, but you did something different in the way that you either had a focal point in the middle that was showing something different while everything else was reacting around it and it was just really impressive how you're able to weave all of these stories together mm, thank you uh one yeah. of the other things that as i'm watching it and the outrageous characters and i mean that in the best way possible yeah these outrageous characters who are larger than life both in their comic book personas yeah. and in real life there has to be stuff on the cutting room floor so i have yeah. to ask at some point yeah are we going to get a blooper reel an outtake reel yeah yeah i mean <laughs> I've, I've actually joked that uh, there's an interview with Bontron uh, mm -hmm. at the beach, one of the main characters, and um, there's so much in that interview that really? could easily be, you know, like a 10-part um, series or something. Wow. <laughs> because she, she roundabout ways has a way of speaking about a lot, a lot of things that you're kind of like, at the time even, we're like, I don't know what she's on about. And then all of a sudden she would land it in this, like, you know, awesome. history of patriarchy or something and, like, you mm -hmm. know, in a way that we're like, didn't see coming. So there's quite a lot of gems there. But again, you know, as a filmmaker, you have to sort of, how does it all fit together in the bigger picture? Right. Um, we have re released a bunch of outtakes as well, like, okay. you know, on the web. Just short little, you know, two-minute pieces that really kind of give a last little... Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think seeing one of those reminded me, I was like, yeah. I got to ask if, totally. if those are going to be compiled into yeah. a new thing. Yeah. I'd say, I mean, part of the joy, I think, of social media is that you can just kind of release these things over time and get yeah. people stoked and excited. So, yeah. And we also have profiles of a lot of the artists that, um, you know, we sort of gathered along the way, but mm -hmm. weren't necessarily, um, uh, there wasn't room for their full story. But piece of people like the librarian, who's one of the main or co-founders of Base Coast in, in Canada. Oh, right. Yeah, we released a short with her online, and um, there's more to come as well. So, you know, that model of, of profiling, you know, female artists who are doing, you know, amazing things as well. Mm -hmm. Like, we'd love for that to continue even, you know, beyond, you know, our involvement. Excellent. So, speak on briefly the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. When will that be available? I know that yeah. we saw a slide in the screening, you know, yeah. available for pre-order. Yeah. When can people expect that? Yeah, the soundtrack right now, we're just in finalizing, you know, form with the, the contracts and things like that. Okay. And, um, yeah, all the artists are stoked to, you know, have all of it appear on this Amplify Her, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and uh, there'll be a vinyl record, actually, which is coming. I saw that. Yeah. yeah so um, that's exciting. And so probably, I think in like a month or so, we'll have oh, wow. it complete. Soon. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. So the film is Amplify Her. You are on a crazy tour right now, hitting a bunch of screenings, yeah. doing DJ sets. Uh, this film, the intense feminine spirit 
that embodies this movie, it's shown through. Mm. And that was, that was incredible to watch and experience. Beautiful. So I've been sitting down with Ian McKenzie. Tell people where they can follow you mm. and the most up-to-date information on Amplify Her. Yeah, thank you. Um, the next phase for us is, uh, yeah, we're headed, I think, to D.C. next. Okay. Uh, and then San Francisco, uh, Vancouver, um, Colfax, Calgary. I mean, I, I get lost now of all the dates coming. Right. Uh, but you can follow them all. I mean, Amplify Her on Facebook is a great place for okay. a lot of our kind of behind the scenes and, you know, tales from the road. And then uh, AmplifyHer.com slash events. Events. Okay. Yeah, is where we'll be posting all of the events. So if you want to get tickets, you know, the after party and, and the screenings, you'll find them there. Thank you so much, Ian, for taking the time. Yeah. As you, uh, as dear listeners, you can tell, uh, we are currently <laughs> in the middle of Belltown outside of a restaurant. So the city is happening yeah. and alive around us, just like in your film. Yeah. It is part of the experience. Uh, we just have to be in the moment. So thanks again, Ian. I cannot wait to mm. see this project progress. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the About to Interview podcast, which is an About to Interview production. Make sure to click the subscribe button below give a thumbs up and check out the full show notes with links to the guests below, as well as on the website abouttoreview.com. Thank you to my amazing guests. And also thank you to Bexing Media, who provides audio and video editing services for this podcast. They're a graphic design, website design, and digital media company. You can find all of their work at vexingmedia.com, as well as on Facebook and Twitter at Vexing Media. Make sure to follow the podcast on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About Treeview, and subscribe to the podcast About Treeview, which comes out every Wednesday.